Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urbanski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Barry Margaliditi. And Barry is the founder and director of The Game Changers. He has been recognized for his work in thought leadership by the 30 Under 30 and the 2015 Telstra Business Awards. He was most recently selected as a 2016 winner of the NBA Innovation of Excellence in Business Coaching. But before all the awards and recognition, he launched his first business in the kitchen and renovation sector. The business scaled up quickly from the home garage stage right to a staff of 15 people and multiple millions in annual revenue. This was what success looked like, or so we thought, as he diligently managed cash flow, maximized profits, minimized expenses, and set clear KPIs for both the business and the team. But the emotional and time investment uh, required quickly led him to exhaustion and burnout. He was a father and a partner, and there was no time left over to invest in those relationships. When he saw what was happening, he shifted his focus, but now the business suffered. Without the heavy personal and financial supports that Barry had been providing, the business started to dissolve. So Barry turned to education and personal development to get his business and his life back on track without letting either suffer. Soon, life started to come back into balance. Through examining his inner game, Barry was able to achieve tangible results to his outer game. This trial by fire became the backbone for the Game Changers and since its founding has been helping business owners uh, experience exponential growth in their businesses while watching their personal lives blossom. I've asked Barry to join us today uh, so we can all improve our inner games a little so our outer games maybe can do a little bit better. So Barry, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, my friend? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, all good. It's an honor and a pleasure. And I know that you're, you're, you're in Jakarta right now. You're traveling. I mean, we've both been traveling a lot lately. Um, but how did you, like, get started? Like, why did you, like, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Yeah, great question. Um, no, not really. So my father's the operations manager of several McDonald's stores. So he's more of a leader manager, I suppose, growing up, had him to, to model. But I wouldn't say per se that... Um, I come from a background necessarily of entrepreneurs, like my, my mother's father um, was a farmer. You know, his father was a farmer, father before him was a farmer. So there's a bit of a long line of, of, of that sort of old school uh, mm. farming background, but, but not so much progressive business owners or progressive entrepreneurs. Right, 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 right. So what were you doing before you even started in business then? Interesting question. So I left 
school at the age, or pretty much finished year 10, uh, which in, in Tasmania was the kind of end of high school before you transition into college and high school and three days later started an apprenticeship. I, I knew from a young age that I wanted to uh, work with my hands. I, I loved uh, the building and, and cabinet making industry. So I left high school and three days later went into an apprenticeship um, as a furniture polisher. So doing a lot of uh, spraying uh, of antique polishes onto to, you know, solid timber furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, although that wasn't the job that I wanted to do, I wanted to be a cabinet maker the position wasn't available, and so I thought that if I just got in the door and I showed them my skills, I'd be able to work to the position that that was most um, heartfelt for me. And within 12 months of being with this particular company, they seen the talents that I had, um, not only in the furniture polishing but cabinet making, and quickly moved me into that position. To which another year and a half later, I actually finished my my whole entire apprenticeship, and you know went on from there. That's awesome. So, and then you decided to just kind of engage in your own business. I mean, how, what was how did you learn how to grow that company? I mean, where did you get your clients from? How did you, I mean, you know, you started doing multiple millions in, in revenue. That's a lot. How old were you at the time? It sounds like you were just kind of a kid. Yeah, so actually I, I left the first business that I worked for, transitioned into another business, which was where I learned about kitchens. I left there and transitioned to another business where I become a contractor and I was taught how to build like solid timber staircases, timber windows. And after being with that guy for a couple of years, I think I was uh, I was 18 at the time, I had a moment where he rang me up one day and, and abused me over the phone like I'd never been, been abused before. I, I just had this feeling in my heart that it was time to time to move on, um, right. that I wasn't respected. And it was kind of a bit of a pattern that I noticed from my whole working career that I was a bit undervalued and under-respected. And I just felt to leave. I had no idea what I was going to do or what I was going to get go on and, and become, but I just knew that I had to, to follow my heart in that moment and move on. And I think it was three weeks later, I you know, went around to mum and dad's place and I said to them that I was kind of starting to get worried that I wasn't worried, you know, like I had a, had a mortgage, uh, had car repayments, had no income coming in, had no savings behind me. And I said, I'm, I'm worried that I'm not worried because <laughs> um, it's a really interesting place to, to be in because, you know, for, for, for me, I, I spent most of my life um, worrying about everything, you know, and for the first time in my life, just, just felt at ease. It was like there was this inner sense of knowing. And it was about three days after that I decided to put an ad in the paper, um, kind of like no job too big or small. And that was how I started in business, you know, at, at the age of 18, you know, started in the garage of my house at the time, just kind of took on anything and anything, um, anything and everything in the cabinet making and, and building space. And, you know, some four years later I had – you know, 15 staff, uh, four full-time contractors, and, and doing about 2.2 million in turnover. Wow, which is great. Like you said it's in, 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 your, in the intro, um, that feels like success, but then when you're spending all that money on everybody and you've got no time and no life and all that, was that, I, I don't want to, uh, what do they call that, foretelling? I don't want to foretell your next challenge, but was that kind of what you hit? I mean, what was the next big challenge that you faced? Well, the thing was is that my motivations um, shortly after I started my own business was that I didn't that I wanted to create a life for my family that, that I didn't have growing up. You know, mum and dad always loved us. They always, you know, gave us gave us whatever we needed. But, you know, I grew up with dad always working. You know, mm. he'd be working. He'd be gone to work in the morning um, when I went to school or he'd still be in bed because he got in late the night before and I'd get home and he wouldn't be there. And so I thought I'd go into business and, you know, I would work my, work, work my guts off until um, I was in a position that I had, you know, financial freedom. I was chasing that financial freedom. I was chasing that first million bucks that many years ago everyone was chasing. And something happened where, you know, a few years in business, 
I realized that, you know, there, there were so many challenges in my first business, you know, hiring people and, you know, consistent stream of income and, you know, everything that comes in starting your own business, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to. But I suppose uh-huh. the first significant challenge that, that I remember um, looking back now and one that definitely shaped my life and brought me into to where I'm at right now with the Game Changers is that I realized that although I tried to avoid this patterning of my father, although I tried to avoid, you know, working all these hours and, and being a bit cash-strapped, um, I'd managed to create that for myself. Not only did I created that, I created it on steroids. You know, somewhere along the way um, of owning that business, um, I met a girl and we had a couple of children and, you know, I woke up one morning and realized that everything I'd gone to create for myself was the complete opposite of what I was experiencing. I was experiencing the fact that I wasn't there for my kids, that I was working, you know, 80 hours a week. When I was home, I was moody, I was grumpy, I was checked out because I was just thinking constantly about the business and how I could, you know, how I could grow it faster, how I could make more money. Um, and, you know, not only that, I, I realized I didn't have a lot of uh, friendships around me because they'd all gone by the wayside. My relationship, my partner had suffered. Pretty much I was in a, in a deeper hole than probably whatever thought to be. And as I said, you know, I created the experience that I had growing up with my father, but tenfold. Right, which is terrible. So what did you do? Well, it was really interesting. Um, at first, there was a, a major argument that was had with, with my partner at the time, Trin. And basically, she said, look, I'm, you know, we're in Tasmania at the time. She said, look, I'm moving back to WA. I need some support with the kids. Uh, the kids were pretty hard work. And any of you guys that have kids know that they can be extremely challenging. Um, <laughs> and she said, you know, I'm, I'm moving back to WA to get some support for my family. And, uh, you know, I, I still love you, want to be with you, but I can't do this anymore. You're never here. When you are, you're angry. Um, I'm out. And I was kind of a bit like the, the, the stuff you. Like, I felt unsupported. I felt that I was doing this for them. Um, and how could they kind of abandon me, mm. essentially, when, when I was going through all this. And so I kind of told them to leave. And it was t- two weeks later that I had this massive realisation, a bit of epiphany that, oh, my God, you know, this hasn't been for them. This, mm. this, this you know, they don't, they don't need a huge amount of money. They don't need um, a lot of the stuff that I was working towards. Great. They, just, they just needed a man in their lives. They needed, mm-hmm. you know, she needed a partner. They, they needed a father. And uh, so I, I made the decision that I was going to, to find a way to get over to WA to try to rebuild my relationship. And so I started, you know, I ended business that next day with a different mindset and it was to create something that operated without me. And, um, you know, unfortunately, over the, at this time, six years in, over the six years I'd had that business, I'd created a business that relied on me, that, mm. you know, I'd created a, created a job for myself in the business where, you know, any difficult challenge or question needed to be answered by me, I still held on to several positions in the company that I hadn't outsourced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it, it wasn't easy. It, was, it wasn't as easy as me deciding that I was going to leave because I was heavily reliant in the business and the right. business relied on me. And so, not only that, by this stage, you know, we'd made a couple of decisions to, to reinvest a, a, a million plus bucks in the growth of the company. We'd just entered a, a bit of a recession period. In the building industry, there was some, some big things happening in forestry, which was heavily affecting the, the new homes being built and the renovations that were happening. There seemed to be a whole bunch of stuff happen at the exact same time, which put me in a position where I was, you know, heavily stressed. Cash was super, super tight. And here I was trying to exit the business. And for about three to four months, I tried to uh, sell the business, tried to find ways that I could exit the business, bring on board partners. Nothing seemed to happen. And I seemed to keep finding myself further and further and further in a hole. And my last kind of, I suppose, uh, opportunity was with one of the largest companies in Tasmania to do a joint venture. I thought, well, 
I could do a JV with these guys. I can sell, and I can sell very, very effectively. I've got a phenomenal sales team. We're generating a lot of leads. What if I was to outsource all the manufacturing? Um, That's the heaviest cost component of my company. That's the one part that I'm kind of stuck in, that if I didn't have to do that anymore, I could could leave. I could be free to go to WA. I could kind of run this business from over there, um, maybe look at selling it, but we'd be a lot leaner, a lot more profitable. And so I structured up a JV with this guy, um, uh, the Lawrence Sister Kitchen Centre, and for the first couple of months, everything seemed to be well. You know, they, they were pricing jobs very well for us. We're winning a lot of work. We're starting to make better money. And we're in a position where we'd found people to take on board our machinery. And I ended up hiring his company or his trucks to move the last of my machinery uh, to, to, to the coast. Um, we found someone to lease it. So it basically meant that all our bills were covered. So any profit that we made was, was in the back pocket. So it was a great, great time and I was really excited because it had been four months of a lot of emotion, a lot of pain, a lot of sleepless nights, like a lot of really random thoughts, you know, even to the point of suicide, which I never thought that that would be something that I'd ever consider, you know, mm. knowing the kind of person that I was, very ambitious and very driven. And I, I went to him one day and I said, look, you know, let's, let's look at formalising something and really, you know, really kicking some ass here. And he said, look, once, you know, once the last of your machinery is gone and I can trust that you're not going to be manufacturing anymore, we can most definitely do that. Now, to me, that, that, that wasn't a red flag. I was like, well, this is cool. The guy's just a smart man. He's just do, doing his due diligence and making sure that I'm not going to come in the back door. And uh, what ended up happening is, is no sooner an hour after his machines had picked up the last uh, – his trucks had picked up the last machines, I was walking around my warehouse and I was sitting in, in a space of, of quiet satisfaction that, that I'd been faced with this massive adversity and I'd found a way to overcome it. You know, persistence had paid, paid off. I'm walking around the empty factory – quite happy and grateful that I you know, knew that within a week I'd be able to fly back to, to be with uh-huh. my partner and my kids and we could turn a new chapter and I get this phone call and the phone calls from, from this guy Lee, the, the owner of the company, and he rings me up and he says, oh, hey, Barry, um, I've decided I'm not going to work for you guys anymore. It's just all too hard. Mm-hmm. And I just, felt, I just felt myself just drop and I felt this sickly feeling. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, it's just all too hard. Uh, we've just cancelled the orders. Any orders and productions won't be fulfilled. You know, we're, we're happy to refund any money that you have with us. Um, you're out on your own. Now, mind you, this was also five weeks before Christmas time, which mm-hmm. anyone in that industry knows how busy it gets. For some reason, everyone wants a new kitchen before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I had no chance of getting anyone to fulfill. I think we had like 22, 23 jobs on at that point in time. There was no way in hell I was going to find anyone to fulfill even half of those jobs pre-Christmas. And I'm going to promise and on contracts with my clients, mm. that if we don't fill the orders, we pay penalties. Uh, everyone then shuts down for three or four weeks over Christmas time, so I knew that the penalties would be massive. Mm. And basically what had happened is this guy had screwed me over. He waited for me to sell all my, you know, sell all my machinery, get, lease all my machinery out, get to a position where he could literally just, just remove the competition because I, at that stage, was his biggest competition. He knew that we, without me being there, he had greater market share, which, you know... I kind of admire, I suppose I admire the strategy behind his thinking. I think that the way he went about it was, was bullshit. I think that it, was, it lacked a lot of integrity. Um, and I think that we could have created something really great together. But that was the point that, that I realized I had no other way out. And, you know, if I wanted even half a chance to rebuild the relationship with my, my partner and kids, I, I needed to be over there. You know, she wasn't going to wait around forever. Things were already very, very tedious. And I've been managing that on the side. And um, I made the decision that the only way out was to file for bankruptcy, um, mm. which, would, which would see me out of the debt that I had. 
Uh, very, very difficult decision. But to be honest, looking back, the best decision that I ever made. You know, it was that decision that caused me to to eventually move into the business coaching consulting space because I never ever want another business owner to experience anything that I did. You know, the emotion, mm-hmm. the, the the trauma, the, the 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 family. You know, the finances, all that sort of stuff. I was just like, I never ever want anyone to even experience a fraction of what I did. So what are some of the things that you, mistakes you see clients and other entrepreneurs making? I mean, you've been in this game now, you've been helping a lot of people, helping hundreds of businesses, and what do you, where do you see a lot of people getting stuck? Um, look, I think first and foremost is really around their psychology. Um, you know, the Game Changers operates on, on, a, on a methodology where 70 to 80% of, of our foundation or the way that we coach our clients is from a performance psychology, a mindset, an energetic perspective, and the other 20 30% strategy. And we've got so many clients that we've worked with that, um, you know, one girl in particular, Tash, when she came to us, she was a month away from filing for bankruptcy. She was only at that stage doing four grand a year in a business, which was, you know, a $4,500 loss. And in the first five months, all we did was work on a mindset and coached her around that. We didn't touch the business. We didn't touch sales, marketing, anything like that at all. And she 12X'd. So five months later, she was doing $52,000 a year. Uh, she's still a client of ours now. Two and a half years later, she's now doing months of over 300000 Wow. And it's just a testament how important it is to get your inner game right, is that you know you can give the exact same strategy to two business owners in two, in, in two similar businesses and they'll execute them differently. They'll get completely different results because they're filtering in the information and mm-hmm. life in a different way. Right. And so I think most importantly is, is to get your inner game operating in, in such a higher level. And I don't just mean like, you know, saying some daily affirmations or thinking positively about the world. I mean like really work on your psychology. Hire a coach, hire someone that can dive into your shit because we're all carrying it. You know, really dive into it and help resolve and get, get the resolution there and find the benefits in the experiences that we've all had. Um, from a young age growing up. So I think number one is, is mindset. And then number two is, I think, um, you know, be super clear on what is you want to create for yourself. Like a lot of people go into business with this idea of what they want to create and they end up getting stuck in their business and, and lose focus on that. And often the way that they're going about it is, is not the only way they can go about achieving what they want to achieve. You know, mm-hmm. often when we have clients come to us, we, we tip their business and they tip their business model and their offering on its head, and we find a much more effective way of going about uh, executing their, their business plan and executing their goals, and we can help them achieve their goals in a fraction of the time that, that, that they would usually do it if they kept on going the path that they are. So I think number one is mindset. I think number two, definitely be clear on you know, where you're going and equally to where you're starting from because that's equally important. The map without a starting point is useless. And I think number three is invest in yourself, like invest in coaches, invest in mentors, invest in experts to teach you because a business will never outgrow its founder. Hmm. And so in order for your business to keep growing, you need to keep growing, whether that's hiring kick-ass talent to fulfill roles that are weaknesses for you or whether that's for hiring coaches and mentors to assist you in certain elements or aspects of the business, um, be okay to invest in that. Like the amount of people that I speak to uh, that just aren't willing to invest themselves, they wonder why in 12 months, in, in two years, or maybe even a few months, their business goes under. Right. It's because they've got that scarcity mindset. You know, people will always do more to protect what they have than to build something new. You know, we'll do far more to protect a million dollars than we would go out there and make it. Right. And it's the wrong attitude in business. You need to be open to open to seeking growth. You need to be open to 
leading into the discomfort. Yep. Yeah, what's they say? If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you always got. Yeah. So if you don't get outside that, if you don't get outside that zone, it's going to be a big problem. So those are great. We talk about mindset and how people tend to trap themselves up or they tend to just not see opportunities that are there because they're too caught in their own drama. Yeah. Clear down what they want to achieve because without any destination, you don't know where you're going. Kind of knowing where you're starting at too, being realistic about your the timeline and your resources. It's funny because right before this, I was just talking to someone else and he said that his company that they had, he realized, he's a, he said, I'm a realist and I realized that the last seven months we've been, we've been stretching ourselves too thin. So they cut their projects in half. They're going to do less, better, and to completion. So I think that speaks to what you're talking about, being realistic about that. And then investing in yourself, either by hiring people around you to support you or just getting yourself personal help, whether it's an assistant, whether it's someone to help you you know, deal with other issues that you have and, and, or develop new skills. So I, I think that, that that's a really big tool for anyone that's listening to this. I think that kind of hits a lot of check marks for people. Now, do you feel that there's any habits that you – see your most successful clients and business owners ha- like demonstrating over and over? Habits, what a great question. I think one, I remember a significant one for me and it seems to be common amongst a lot of successful people that I that I hang around with is um, scheduling everything. You know, if it's not scheduled, it doesn't get done. And mm. people laugh, you know, like I even schedule time, time with my partner but the funny thing is if I don't, it doesn't get done because I've trained myself to to live from my schedule, but what it's meant is that I can become a lot more productive. Yeah. That I can see, you know, before the week starts at the end of the week where I've spent my time and I can assess whether or not my time's been spent on, you know, high leverage, high growth activities or whether it's been spent just mucking around. So I think um, scheduling everything. I meet a lot of people that when they're very new in business, it's like they just have everything in their head, yeah. um, which works for a time, but it gets to a point where that's not scalable. Right. You can't be doing something multiple millions and having everything in your head. Like that's just not, it's just not a realistic thing, right? No, no. I think also um, work out what makes you happy. You know, like a lot of people come to us looking for happiness or looking for fulfillment and they, they perceive or believe that when they, when they get to a few million in revenue or profit, um, they'll be happy or when they get some more time back, they'll be happy or when they find that perfect partner, they'll be happy and Happiness is a state of being that can be experienced moment to moment. It's not a destination. And and it's important to separate those two. So I think understanding what makes you happy, and that's different for everyone. You know, like what makes you happy, but also what fulfills you. You know, like I know for me, I have a bit of a bit of a ritual where, you know, like I'll get up in the morning and often the first thing I do is just sit straight up in bed and I'll meditate. You know, I'll meditate for 15 minutes or half an hour and just connect in with myself. And I find that my day is vastly different doing that than if I don't do that. Um, I know that it's important for me to go to the gym four times, four times a week and to do yoga a couple of times a week. And without that, I tend to build up a lot of stress in my body and my system. Um, you know, I love going for a swim in the ocean. So certain habits like that for me, uh, fuel me and, and balance me and keep me at a space of peak performance. But it is different for everyone. You know, some people love to read. Some people like to listen to podcasts. Uh, some people like to go for walks, but you know, spend some time working out what really makes you happy and what fulfills you and what both fills your cup up. Because if you can't fill your own cup up, you can't expect uh, to be able to fill other people's cups up. Mm, mm. Yeah, you can't save someone if you're drowning yourself. I think that's some great advice. Yeah. So if there's a listener right now that is either starting out or struggling, maybe they're just confused about what to do or they're feeling very overwhelmed or they're stressed out about money issues, what would you recommend to that person? First and foremost, like I suppose, it's a little bit different for everyone. You know, it's hard to recommend a, a one-size-fits-all, but 
I think the first thing to do in any situation is to stop and take some time out. You know, the thinking, the same thinking that created the problem is not the same thinking that will create the solution for the problem. And so often when something happens, we get so obsessed or we get so caught up in it that we're not seeing things from a different perspective. So I think first and foremost is, is step out. I believe that everyone within their heart, they always know what to do in any given situation. We just often only give ourselves a chance to find that solution. So I think that if they're experiencing some challenges or struggle right now, step out, you know, go for a walk, take a day off, turn your phone off, turn your computer off, have a, have a full day without technology, without people, just sit in your own thoughts and see what pops up. I think secondly is, is just notice the questions that you're asking or notice the self-talk. Are you, are you saying things like, why does this always happen to me? Or are you saying things, you know, complaining, oh, this is not the way I want it to be? Or, asking, or are you asking yourself quality questions that allow your conscious and unconscious mind to produce the answers? You know, like, okay, what is this teaching me right now? How could I find a solution? Um, what's not perfect yet? You know, what's the positive outcome out of what I'm experiencing right now? Because I haven't met anyone that hasn't been able to look back on major adversity or challenge in life years later and see the benefits that it's created. Everyone I've spoken to, um, whenever asked, you know, what's the biggest challenge you've had and what did you learn from that? can always come up. And, and for me, certainly, the biggest challenge ever had was going through the bankruptcy period, but it's provided with the greatest life lessons and allowed me to be where I'm today. So mm. I think just realise that whatever you're going through right now is not a forever. Right. You know, like it's a moment in time. You're going to get through it. You've gone through everything else. The universe, God, whatever you, you, you choose to believe is always aspiring to help you, right? Mm. It's always providing you, you know, what you need, not what you want. So mm -hmm. see whatever's going on right now as a blessing. See whatever's going on right now as, as a chance for you to learn and to evolve and to grow. And I think automatically that will start to change now. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. Because exactly like you said, when you're in it, you can, you can it's almost like uh, how your body swells. If you have an injury, like you stub your toe, it gets swollen. People have something that they're afraid of or fearful of. They tend to swell around it, focus on it intensely. Everything gets really tight and tense. But just take some time out. Take a breath. You know, are you going to die? No? Okay, then go chill and relax, you know, and give yourself a moment. That's something I've always noticed. Anytime I've worked with someone that's high level or of high net worth, it's really hard to shake them like that. You know, something might be urgent, but they'll be like, you know, okay, we're going to, you know, all right, we're going to think about that. Like deadlines and that sort of thing, they don't scare them as much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there was a, there was a funny thing that I got off, uh, I got off a Buddhist monk once um, who I went and, and see, seen speak. And uh, he said, uh, have you got a problem, right? It's like a flow chart. And it's like, yes, I've got a problem. It's like, cool, can you do something about it? No. So why worry? Have you got a problem? Yes. Can you do something about it? Yes. Then why worry? <laughs> Have you got a problem? No. Then why worry? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like we all spend way too much time in our life worrying about shit that, you know, we either can change rather than changing it or shit that we can't change. Yeah. 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 No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So now I guess I want to ask what, what do you feel is one of some of the best advice you ever got? from either a mentor or even a family member just in helping you be more successful and being successful in business and in your personal relationships? What's some of the best advice that I've ever gotten? God, there's been so much, Daryl. Like, that's a really hard question, man. And it changes too, like, moment to moment. Of course. There's been a few. The first one was uh, probably when I was going through that bankruptcy period, I, I hit, actually hit a client up who was quite wealthy for, for some money. I asked him to borrow a couple hundred thousand. Um, to kind of create a bit of a buffer to, to, to help me out. And uh, he said, no. He's like, no, nah, if I give you this money, you won't learn the lessons to be learned out of this. He said, you'll get through it, you'll be stronger for it. 
which was really interesting, like Tough Love. Mm-hmm. There was definitely the one around worrying, you know, like I remember one of my old sort of spiritual teachers, I suppose you could say, said to me that 99% of the stuff that you worry about, you can't change, so why worry? Mm-hmm. More, another, another piece of advice is, is always, always trust your heart. Mm-hmm. Always trust that feeling, that whisper in your heart, because you always know what to do. And if you stop for long enough uh, and, and be quiet for long enough, the answer's there. Mm. Um, but the answer's not outside of you, the answer's within you. Um, and I think from a business perspective is, uh, you know, spend 80% of your time and money on marketing, mm. you know, sales and marketing, because, uh, you know, sales and marketing solves everything. So, <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways, because for anyone that, hear, that heard that, that isn't quite sure, I'm just going to repeat that in case you weren't listening. Spend 80% of your time on sales and marketing, you know, because that will help solve a lot of problems. Whatever problem you're going through right now, I'm sure if you made an extra $10,000, you could either hire the help or pay off whatever or, you know, get some breathing room. So oftentimes yeah, it's, totally. not, it's not going through your credit card statement and canceling a bunch of things you're paying for. It's not, you know, doing this, this, that. It's going out and getting some more money to pay to patch the holes and whatever you got going on and then fix it so it doesn't happen again and reoccur. So money, has, money, money solves yeah. all problems a lack of money creates. Money solves all yeah. problems a lack of money creates, which is really fascinating when you think about it, right? Because money's not everything, but it is important, and it'll solve all problems. You know, like if you have a disobedient child, oh, would it help if you could afford someone to come take care of them? Oh, well, then some money, going to get some money would help you with that, which comes back to what you said, sales and marketing, you know? Mm. So, mm. De- yeah. So, was it uh, delegate? Was it delegate? Oh, I forget this. I forget the quote. It's like spend the lion's share of your time focused on getting new customers and figuring out what you can do to serve customers you already got, you know, to better serve customers yeah. you already got. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it is. Delegate, which, delegate everything you can other than watching the stats or analyzing the stats and, and doing the copyright. I forget how it goes. Ah, it's because I haven't slept. I'm still jet-lagged a little bit. But anyways, <laughs> that's all good. So now with... Um, where do you think the future of this industry is going as far as helping people grow their business? As far as for business owners, where do you see the future of it going? Is there any trends happening for business owners now? Is there a movement that's, that we should kind of be aware of? Like, where do you see even, like, the role your business is playing right now in five, ten years? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be different? Yeah, what a great question. It's a difficult one to say, I suppose. You know, we see a lot of people going uh, going offline, and, uh, and and what I mean by that is is the laptop lifestyle, is creating a company or creating a business that they can operate from anywhere. You know, creating that freedom, the flexibility to be able to travel, and still operate a business, still make money, and still enjoy life. So definitely noticing a trend moving towards that. God, it's hard to say. Like you look at what they're doing with robotics and and artificial intelligence these days, and God, you know, like even cryptocurrency has been something that I've been heavily, heavily mm. involved with of, of late. And it's mm. just, it's just mind blowing. You know, cryptocurrency has been around for a long time, but it's really been probably the last six months or so. It's just taken off and we're still very much in the early, early adapter stage. You know, and it's got the, it's got the possibility of wiping out the, the entire banking system as we know it. And so it's really hard to say, but, I, but I'm pretty excited for where, where life is going, because I think that, you know, for each of us, we have more opportunities now than we've ever had before. 
And if we're open to seeing them, it's a really good t- it's a really good time to to enjoy life, really good time to make a lot of money and, and, and serve a lot of people. I think that uh, business as a whole is going to go a lot more down the road of um, maybe social enterprises, mm. not for profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot more contribution. I've noticed in the last 10 years how, you know, 10 years ago, business was very isolated and everyone believed everyone was competition. Or it certainly was the experience that I had. Whereas now there just seems to be a lot more collaboration. People seem mm. to be uniting together a lot more. I think that in the years to come, we're going to see that even more, that people unite to a common cause and a common goal. Hmm. Yeah, I actually agree with that. So that's an interesting thing because when the tide rises, all the boats rise. And I think there's smart people know, depending on the industry, I mean, if you're if you're building swimming pools and there's only four companies that, that build swimming pools or, or there are four companies that build, build swimming pools for a certain area, I can understand a little bit of competition, but in a ton of industries, it actually only helps for everyone to serve. Like you and I both help business owners grow. But you, in a lot of ways, we aren't even competition because, first of all, not everyone's going to resonate with me, mm. right? It's something like I think the most recent stat I saw was over 79% of marketing leads don't convert, which means that if I'm doing campaigns mm. to try and generate clients, over like 80% of them aren't going to buy from me. So go ahead, Barry, mm. take them. Do you know what I mean? So that's one. Two is just that symbiotic energy when people feed back and forth, you know, and that that even like what you had with that guy, that business owner, which you guys had could have been really good. Like by having specialized roles and purposes for what you do and what he does, it could have been a really beautiful thing. Um, but you do have to be careful. It's almost like a, like a marriage in certain sense because you, you do open yourself up to vulnerability. And I think that it, what's really empowering is that with how connected we are and how transparent things are being, it's making people feel safer about maybe doing business with other people because there's nowhere to really hide. If someone wrongs you, it's kind of easy to get the word out, so to speak. It's hard for them to be as many. There are still are out there, the shysters and con artists. But I think in a lot more other ways, it's keeping people honest because it's so transparent. Just today on Facebook, I saw mm. someone post a complaint. This company had been billing them for over a year and a half for the service that they canceled. And it was like all these other people are commenting. And this is a service that I'm – it's a very popular service. A lot of people probably even know it. But a lot of people were complaining on that. And it just provides such transparency. you know. And it's not like everyone's business should be perfect. But you also got to see how the company handled it. And so it just uh, – it's amazing transparency that we see in the world today and business. And it's – you know, it's it's really about moving things forward, uh, taking that that next step to that next level. So, whatever problem that exists mm. now, your business is going to fill that gap and solve it. But it'll it's inevitable that even your solution will lead them to a new problem, that next step. Right? We're mm. constantly building that gold, that golden brick road. So it it's exciting, especially with the the what is it? A couple, I think it's a billion people are going to be coming online soon. Yeah. That's a huge yeah. potential. That's a huge opportunity. Yeah. The greatest competition you've got is the inaction of your clients. Yeah, not other business owners. Exactly yeah. what you said. It's the inaction of your clients, of clients that are not willing to take action and move forward. It's not your competition. Yeah. And when people get that, like, there's so many possibilities out there in business. Yeah. So many joint venture opportunities. Like, your company will grow far greater, far faster. A phenomenal JV opportunity that we're doing some Facebook ads. Oh you know, yeah. Facebook ads are fantastic. But you find the right joint venture, and your business will just explode. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, hands down, hands down. Now, you do have to be careful with that for some people. You need to make sure that you're prepared and that what you've got is somewhat tested because that can also kill your business. So you're totally right. The fastest way to grow any business is with a strategic alliance with someone that's in the right position that has already gathered the, your market, that's already gone through the time, energy, effort, and struggle. To I mean, there's only three ways to get traffic. You can buy it, you can borrow it, or you can build it. So using my podcast here as an example, I mean, I could buy it by driving ads to people to go listen to my podcast. I could borrow it by, I mean, you're borrowing my traffic right now because you've got my audience lending their ear to you. Mm. And building is what I've done by producing content on a regular basis of a specific type that over time is like putting out bird feed every day. If you keep putting out bird seed in your backyard, more and more birds are going to come. So there's only those ways to build traffic. And so by borrowing someone's traffic that they've spent years and and who knows how much money putting together, just very quickly without any upfront cost for yourself, you can go get a ton of sales and, and just split the money made with them. But to do that, typically you need to have some sort of track record and proof that you know you've got a, some, you have something of real benefit because otherwise they're risking their reputation on you, and so that's one part. That's right. And with Oprah, they used to send out um, a di- uh, like an investigative team. I, I don't, I was going to say a different word, but they would send out a team to actually like diagnose the business first before they would ever be mentioned or showcased on Oprah. They called it the Oprah effect, and it had crushed. It had just flattened businesses. Because she, she mentions your bakery and how great it is. All of a sudden, you get flooded with a 1,000 customers. You have no idea. You weren't expecting it out of anywhere. Your phone's blowing up. People are lining up down the block. And we talk about that transparency. If your capacity is 50 customers an hour and you get 1,000, that means you're going to have 900 negative reviews. How are you going to dig your business out from underneath 900 negative reviews? So they would actually have a team that would go in and help the company prepare to brace and just do some, you know, some basic maybe – uh, due diligence to prepare for the onslaught of customers that would be sent by Oprah. So, wow, it's an interesting little rant. But for the most part, most people don't have to worry about that, right? But on the same token, I have seen people get exposure to a million eyeballs and get no conversions. So you have to test it small, yeah. make sure it works, and then you go scale it out with someone else really big fast. That's a great tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel that anything it was ever really holding you back? Um. No, only myself, to be honest. Yeah. You know, like, like, as much as in the past I might have wanted to, 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 to bitch, moan, and groan and complain, um, the only thing that's ever really held me back is me. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. You know, me, my mindset, my, my thinking, the way that I was going about doing things or not doing things. And so how do you help, uh, how do you help business owners now? What is it that you're doing? Uh, we have a program called Opulence. Or it's, it's more so a system. And over the last seven years or so, we've perfected a system for business growth. And uh, we have a number of coaches. The program consists of some one-on-one coaching because that's super important, especially to, to get your mindset aligned and to really, you know, clear out all those cobwebs. Um, but there's also a specific journey that we take businesses through, whether you're doing 50 grand a year or whether you're doing 15 million a year. Uh, every, every company we work with so far has seen epic results in terms of uh, increased revenue, increased profit, um, and getting the business owner out of the business. Mm-hmm. But equally too, probably what one thing that I'm most proud of is the feedback that they have around how their life has transformed. You know, like not many people come to us for that. And that's kind of the core of what we do. But people aren't buying that. You know, people are buying that they want more money. People are buying that they want more time, want to get out of their business. And so we're selling what they want, but we give them what they need. So we give them all of that. We give them more money, give them more time. But most importantly, we give them a better quality of life, a quality of life where they can experience a sense of fulfillment and joy and happiness every day because they love the journey and they're not so driven to get to a destination. The drive is still there for the destination, but it's not the be all and end all. 
And so if anyone's been listening to this and they really kind of resonate with your story and your vibe and your mission and kind of what you're out to do in the world, how do they get involved? How do they get in touch? Uh, the easiest way would be to hit us up on, on, on the website or Facebook page, which is uh, www.thegamechangers.com.au. Hit us up on there, send us through a message. Uh, they can find me online, Barry Magliditi, M-A-G-L-I-A-R-D-I-T-I. Uh, hit me up. Uh, we can jump on a call. My team can jump on a call, have a bit of a chat and find out you know, where, where you're at and where you're wanting to go and whether or not you'd be a good fit to, to work with us to achieve that. That's awesome. So, question, I guess. Is there anything in this time that I, I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? <laughs> no. I, uh, I think it's been a fantastic conversation and some really, really powerful questions. And I trust that uh, everyone out there that's listening to this today has got a huge amount of value um, from, from the work that you do, mate. You know, obviously, from the moment I met you, I knew that you were someone that were, was authentic, that you, you walked your talk. Um, and so I was so privileged that you asked me to come on and, and uh, have this chat with you. Yeah, well, it doesn't take a whole day to recognize sunshine. So I knew that you had some value to share. And I'm just glad that you could take time because obviously, you know, you're doing other things right now. You've got your own following. You've got your family that you could be taken care of. So I appreciate you coming and taking some time to share with me and my audience so we could all learn from your story, your experience, maybe get in touch with you if that's something anyone listening to this felt uh, felt good about. I highly recommend that you reach out to Barry and get in touch. So just thank you in coming and sharing your time with us when I know you had other things to do. Uh, you're most welcome. All right, man. Appreciate you so much. Thank you for being a part on the show. And um, again, stay tuned. I guess we'll have you back sometime in about like a couple of months to a year. Get some follow-up on on what's happening new with the Game Changers. What's changed? (laughs) (laughs) You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, What three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.